Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it and how would it come in handy? This is what I'm asking myself every single day. Even if I'm not planning on going on a trip where I need to use a new language, I'm just like, my brain needs to stay alive. My brain needs to stay active. And there's only so many crossword puzzles I can do in one week. And that's why exactly. I just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using Rosetta Stone to improve my language skills. And I'm always like idealizing. Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm gonna learn Spanish, I'm gonna do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak. You listen. You think in the language of Rosetta Stone, and it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like <laughs> having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful, okay? That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime, and you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. You will Yeah, they want to know. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And you should be honest with what you did. This is the second time we're recording this. <laughs> this is the second time we're recording this episode because I didn't have the microphone plugged into the recorder the first time. If it's not funny, the first time was funnier and it's lost. <laughs> and our whole long tangent about developing a series for Disney Plus exclusively about the Six Eggs Lady from Beauty and the Beast, a 10-episode limited series about her life and how she falls in love with LeFou, who is a bisexual. We're not talking about that again. It's gone. We lost it. You can listen to my half of the joke if you want in the archives, but... I actually might put in just you responding. You can put in my half of the conversation. One-sided audio of you laughing and saying things like, LeFou is bisexual. <laughs> no, you said LeFou is bisexual. And you wondering what sea surfs meant when I said we could call the show sea surfs. And you said, oh what's God. that? And I, I can't said, believe we have to record this again. <laughs> and the show is called Six Eggs. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> it was so good and it's gone. Yeah, well, next time learn how to plug in your microphone. It's been seven years. Disney Plus was going to give us a deal on yeah, the show well, now they're not. Anne Dowd as Six Eggs Lady. Now they're not. Oh, my God. Now Marguerite Le Pen was her name. Now they're not. <laughs> well, you know what? Oh my god. Figure out how to use your microphone and maybe we'll get a deal from Disney Plus. You're like obsessed with I Need Six Eggs. You literally like are so inspired by her. I feel like you should you could make you could write an entire backstory for her. That could be like a prequel to Beauty and the Beast. I was just gonna say Margot Martindale and Dowd 
and doubt is need six eggs lady. Six eggs lady. It would be like, I'd be like, Daphne Toulouse. It'd be like <laughs> the, the harrowing origin story of I need six. Why does she need six eggs? Right. What do you mean you don't know? I thought you were writing it. I know, but... Oh, Marguerite Toulouse? But why does she need six eggs? I need six eggs! Before we move on, the original breaking news that we had, before there was actual breaking news that I didn't plug a microphone into the recording device, a 25-year-old Florida Democrat secures Generation Z's first house seat. Maxwell Alejandro Frost told the New York Times, the perspective I bring as a young person, as a young black person, as a young black Latino person from the South is important. And arguably what's more important is his perspective as... A stan? A Twitter stan? There's something heartwarming about the idea that most politicians or public figures would, you know, go back and scrub their tweets before they run for office. You know, you might you might not scrub your tweets and then they come up and you get fucked. But like this person, which is so incredible, didn't even do that, does not need to do that, just has these loving, standum pop culture tweets from the past that, if anything, feed into his new political career, you know? Mm-hmm. He has stand openly on Twitter. I guess that's not really standing because I feel like there's a almost toxic passion to standing. It's just gleeful fandom, non-toxic fandom. Well, Stan has kind of lost its meaning in terms of what, what it actually means. But there is a there is a gleeful pop culture fandom element in which he tweets, Ariana Grande is at Starbucks. I'm so happy she is so amazing talking with us. That's from 2013. <laughs> in 2013. He uh, dressed as Greta Gerwig for Halloween this year in a photo. I don't actually understand. He dressed as Ger Greta Gerwig, Gerwig in a photo, paparazzi photo taken on the set of Barbie does it get any more Stan culture than that he was director Greta Gerwig for Halloween this year like with the Beats headphones with the jumpsuit no one knows what you're even talking about nobody knows that image off the top of their head it's not an iconic image but shout out to him he made it iconic my favorite tweet of his it's a quote tweet of complex tweeting offset colon quote we're the biggest group ever ever in hip-hop pop all that Maxwell Alejandro Frost quote tweeted that and said, One Direction. <laughs> no, it's not Migos. It's One Direction. It's One Direction. He also quote tweeted Billboard Music Awards when they shared the top rap female artist nominees who were Bad Baby, Cardi B, and Nicki Minaj. And he just said, This is dumb. LOL. I never trash artists on here, but Bad Baby alongside the lights of Cardi B and Nicki Minaj? Nah. LOL. See, he's kind. Yes. And speaking of elections, I feel like people are want to know the results of the do we send Timmy to Nikki Reed's photography exhibition poll that we took on Twitter. Mm -hmm. 1600 votes were cast. I know that's actually iconic. Literally 1600 votes. I think more people voted for this than voted in the election. And the choices were between yes, we need a recap and no, don't punish him. The uh, it was a landslide. Yes, we need a recap. Timmy will be going. You people, the <laughs> democracy, the people have spoken and you'll be sending Timmy to the Nikki Reed photography exhibition in Los Angeles. It's called do you remember what it's called? Nikki Reed photography exhibition brought to you by Leica or whatever. <laughs> no, it's called Into the Unknown. Oh, Into the Unknown hashtag ad. Yes, yeah, 1,600 people voted for this. As I joked four hours ago, that's enough to win an election in the state of Wyoming. <laughs> Did you see the other piece of, like, we're very into voting as a society these days. Did you see the other iconic vote that was being held today, this morning? What? 
It just started. No. Ice Spice, whom we talked about last week, two weeks ago, this morning, we've got like three fan base names, Annoyed Face, figure it out by noon. And then she followed that up with a poll. Let's see. And the options are Munchkin, Spice Cabinet, and Spice Cadet. I voted for Spice Cabinet. It's not winning, though. Munchkin is winning. No, I don't want Munchkin to win. I want Spice Cabinet to win, which is why I went on this morning and voted Spice Cabinet. I don't think that uh, Munchkins work. It doesn't make any sense. We are the Spice Cabinet. Call yourself Lil Oregano or whatever. Spice Cabinet is so good. Enough about voting. Let's play a call. Hi, Weekly. Long time, long time. Um, you guys last uh, call and show were talking about the Phillies with their theme song of Dancing on My Own, the Callum Scott version. Uh, I am an editor at the Philadelphia Inquirer who assigned the karaoke article to one of my reporters. Um, but I also assigned another article to another one of my reporters in which I had them ask a professor at Drexel University whether Robin was benefiting from the cover of Dancing on My Own, and she is credited as a songwriter on the remix version, so she is getting double royalties, which is very nice for Robin. So, Lindsay, you do not have to be worried. Robin is making bank off of all of the very excited Philadelphians playing Dancing on My Own. Uh, crunch, crunch? Well, there was another story from a Philadelphia Inquirer editor with the headline, Take heart, Robin fans. The Swedish pop star is getting paid for the Dancing on My Own re- remix. Yeah, that's all that I really care about is that Robin's getting paid. I don't think Robin particularly would really care about it. Like, I'd love to ask Robin about this, but I don't think she would really care, you know, which is kind of a nice thought. She's just like, the money is just chinging in and it's, you know, she's like, best of luck, you know? I'd like to believe she'd at least think it was a little bit funny. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's sort of funny. Her most iconic song, when you tell Alexa to play it, here's a call, plays the Callum Scott version instead of hers. Mm-hmm. Either way, she's getting paid, though. Either way, she's getting paid. Alexa, play Dancing on My Own. Dancing on My Own by Callum Scott from Spotify. Homophobia. Hi, Lindsay, Bobby, Kimmy. Um, I just saw a tweet from Pop Crave that says, Ethel Kane says she will rally the Amish against Drake if he speaks on Megan Thee Stallion again following Cirque Logo controversy. Um, who is Ethel Kane? And... How is she planning on rallying the Amish? I don't know. I guess you probably don't know that. Um, anyway, crunch, crunch. My God, you know who owes me money now? Who? Ethel Kane. Why? Because this is now the third time I'm talking about Ethel Kane for this fucking podcast. <laughs> the third time. The first time, we cut it. The second time, I didn't have my microphone plugged in. <laughs> and the third time, now a third time, I'm just like a third time, girly, like where? give me, Venmo me $20 for this, you know? I'm the Robin in this scenario. <laughs> she might, if we asked her politely. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't believe I have to talk about her for a third time. But you know what? <laughs> this is Bobby's fault. Maybe Bobby should just Venmo me $20. <laughs> what will I put in the subject line? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> The the emoji face with the really pronounced frown, which is like my favorite one, where he's just like, 
Oh. Yeah, that one. That's really sad. Okay, who is Ethel Kane and why are we talking about her for a third time? Why did Ethel Kane share on her Instagram, I'm rallying the Amish? Why did the Shade Room tweet, not singer Ethel Kane threatening to rally the Amish against Drake for his recent <laughs> lyrics? Thought at, thoughts? Hashtag roomies. Why did Pop Crave tweet, Ethel Kane says she will, quote, rally the Amish against Drake if he speaks on Megan the Stallion again following Circo Loco controversy? There's something so niche funny about this that only like five people think this is funny. Like they're like everyone is in on it, but everyone is also finding this funny for a separate reason. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Because I've heard you say it before. <laughs> yeah, oh God, stop. Uh, uh, Ethel Kane is not Amish, but people think Ethel Kane is Amish because her vibe gives Amish, but she's actually she's Southern Baptist. Amish. But she's also kind of not Southern Baptist because she grew up Southern Baptist and she's trans. So she's also like not really fucking with that anymore. But the joke of her being Amish is funny. So she's saying like, if Drake uh, talks shit about my girl Megan one more time, I'm going to rally the Amish, which is only funny if you know that Ethel Kane is not actually Amish. But then it's funny. It's even funnier because the Shea Room is like, oh, not singer Ethel Kane threatening to rally the Amish against Drake in his recent lyrics. Bots, hashtag roomies. And it's like they even know that maybe Ethel Kane is an Amish or they don't even know. and They just don't care. They're like, who is Ethel Kane? But we're just like talking about drama. Exactly. And as everyone who is either familiar with the Amish, is Amish or has seen the movie Witness knows the Amish are famously nonviolent. They can't be violent. So oh, if you rally the Amish, funnier. the worst they're going to do... Well, the worst thing the Amish are going to do to you that. is be like, this isn't kind. Drake, this wasn't kind. <laughs> yeah, what are they going to do? They do have a lot of woodworking tools, though. So, like, they have weapons. Exactly, but they don't use them. Only Harrison Ford can use them. How do you know they wouldn't use them, like, you know, in the name of Megan the Stallion if they, like, loved her? Our society's obsession with Amish people is really interesting. We're really obsessed <laughs> with Amish people. Amish people. Seriously, we are. We are. We really are. Haven't you like been to Pennsylvania to like see the Amish? Yeah, it's actually mind-boggling to be like beep beep driving my car down a road. Hong Kong, there's an Amish person like <laughs> with a horse and buggy. I I'm, I'm ignorantly saying that, but it is just kind of like uh, when you've never seen it before. I know a lot of people grew up in the area and it's not crazy for them, but if you've never seen it before, it is really Really mind-blowing. Remember those Amish donuts we had in Philadelphia? It was like, well, you got to get the Amish donuts. They were good. got to get the Amish donuts. They're really good. They're fine. They weren't like Dunkin' Donuts, but like whatever. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so I'd rather have a munchkin, but... <laughs> An Ice Spice stand, the future name of the Ice Spice standum. Yes, yes. So... Edvil Kane is closest to, let's say, like a Florence, like a Phoebe Bridgers, Lana like a Lana. Phoebe. She is an artist who, like, is really funny, which is uh, always a thing that people love. She's, like, mm -hmm. prolific on TikTok. I mean, I don't know. I feel like she's up and coming buzzy in a way that it's like we're late and early talking about her. For some people, it'll feel late. For some people, it'll feel early. We almost talked about her months ago but then there was sort of like there was no peg it was just sort of like wow everyone's listening to ethel kane but what's the peg there was no peg now there's finally a peg she's inserted herself in a conversation about thems and is getting attention because of that it's fun you know? it's funny yeah and there's something interesting about the idea that she's complaining about drake because drake is so utterly humorless in his new era uh, he like got mm -hmm. too famous. He, he lost his funny. sense of humor. I think he used to be really funny. And now it's like the humor is lost. You're too famous. You're too like out of it's not earnest anymore. You're so like out of the out in space. I don't know. Like 
being so famous, you lose perspective. Ethel Kane, mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully she doesn't become famous, too famous to lose her sense of humor, is in that era where she can be like tweeting funny things and not having mm-hmm. so many people respond that it's annoying or, you know, because I think the problem is, I think Megan Thee Stallion is approaching this where you just get too many people paying attention to you that you can't even make a joke anymore because it's either mm-hmm. taken too seriously and written about in tabloids or so many people respond misunderstanding you and then you get angry and then yes. you tweet again and then you tweet again, da, 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 you know? Yes. And all Megan has been saying for the past like many months, if not, when, was it over a year ago? Is it, just like, please stop talking about my shooting. I don't want to talk about this anymore. And not only are people talking about it, it's Drake, a former friend of hers. Like, at least publicly, they were very friendly. And now he's doing this to her. Well, also, the the, the trial hasn't even started. I think it starts next year. Like, there's still so many things to be unresolved. But back to Ethel for just a second. It's interesting because there is a profile of her in the New York Times written by Joe Coscarelli from May. So, like, she's been taught – like, we are – According to New York Times music critics, we'd be late on this. But I think for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. she's still kind of bubbling up. The headline of this is the most famous girl at the Waffle House. And then, you know, a few paragraphs down, she says, quote, I don't want to be a celebrity. And her whole thing is like, I hate New York. I hate L.A. I would never want to live in any of those places. I'm from Florida. My whole thing is like being Southern and loving it. And that is why I could never kind of live in those in those spheres. And I do think that like... Mm -hmm. If your music is good enough, you're talented enough. I mean, look at Phoebe Bridgers. You, it's hard to avoid fame. But refusing to live in New York and L.A. is, I think, post-pandemic, not as big of a deal as it maybe once would be, especially as a musician. No, exactly. You can make music. You can share music from anywhere. Right. And it can hit. Like, if you can TikTok from somewhere, you can make music from somewhere. Right. She has one album that came out. It's Preacher's Daughter. And again, when you look at the cover art for the Preacher's Daughter album... It's, again, giving religious, it's giving Amish, it's giving simple. Yeah. there's. I've read a few different things about her where she's like, she's Southern Baptist, she's not, she's practicing, she's not, da-da-da. I kind of assume that she was raised that way and is now really more out of it than in yeah. it. But the aesthetics, yeah. the Southern Gothic aesthetic, is certainly something that she's leaning into. And her music sounds like this. The other thing about her, which is you can make music from anywhere, but she's also becoming a fashion girly, a fashion muse, because she's one of the faces of the new Mew Mew campaign, along with FK Twigs. Well, I don't think she's a face. I think she just walked in the in the show. But I feel like fashion is something that requires at least a visit to LA, a visit to New York, a visit to Milan, you know, like... But you don't have to be there all the time. You can just fly there and fly back. Well, I think it's also interesting that she's resistant to being a celebrity but is walking in the Mew Mew, you know, runway. It's like, yes, I understand that, like, how do you say no to something like that? But also, like, that is how you become a celebrity is that you do shit like that. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know. Exactly. You're being tugged at from both sides probably in terms of, like, how you feel about the role of being a celebrity and also how you want to live your life. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of especially young artists whatever their medium is go into it thinking this is scary i don't want this and then either something changes or something doesn't so (laughs) at the moment ethel says i don't want to be famous but like catch her in five years and see if she thinks the same thing right because yeah it's just something that happens okay i can play the next call hey i just called about something else but 
also wanted to discuss Julia Fox and Emily Ratajkowski doing a podcast together. And I was like, oh, my God, they're the same. Like, I can't believe it took them this long to, like, do something together. And I haven't listened to the podcast. I don't even, like, know where to find it. Um, But I just think it's interesting and would love to know which one of them you think is Hoo-ear or then year or if they're on the exact same plane. Thank you. Women do belong in balloons. There were two high-profile podcast crossovers this week. One of them, Elsie appeared on Back to the Beach <laughs> uh, to talk to Kristen and Steven. Lindsay listened and said it was boring. It was boring. Number two, Julia Fox appeared on Emrata's new podcast and gave it the most attention Emrata's new podcast has gotten in the weeks that it's been out. Well, Emrata's podcast is making the argument for her being a them in terms of how much coverage it's already gotten within two episodes. And what, yeah. the first episode, she had talked to Caller Daddy Girly, and most of the, and the all the headlines were about her, not about Caller Daddy Girly, just about like kind of or whatever she said. And then this one, I mean, the headlines speak for themselves, but just like, uh, should I re- should I even before we even get into what was said, this is what came out of it. Julia Fox says dating Kanye West impacted her acting career not in a good way. Vanity Fair. Emily Ratajkowski tells Julia Fox she can't imagine having a traditional relationship ever again. Harper's Bazaar. Julia Fox reveals why she stood up for Amber Heard in a bitter $100 million trial against Johnny Depp. Uh, Daily Mail. Emily Ratajkowski reveals she bought her one-year-old son and a baby doll to balance interest in gender toys. Yahoo. Julia Fox seemingly reveals Kanye West showed her how to fake paparazzi photos. Uh, what is that from? The Independent. The Independent. Uh, Julia Fox tells Emily Ratajkowski why she doesn't like sex. New York Post. Julia Fox and Emily Ratajkowski are teaming up to break the internet. W Mag. And then Emily Ratajkowski on dating, love, and sex in L. So it's like this podcast twice a week, mind you. Twice a week. Twice a week. Twice a week. Wow, twice a week. Wow, twice a week. This podcast is already garnering her so much attention which speaks to maybe she's a them or maybe mm-hmm. her name is like imminently clickable is kind of what i and the power of these two girlies combined is very compelling yeah and they have such a good chemistry also they sound a lot alike which is like it's funny sonically interesting and confusing and it's compelling confusing. and weird it's, <laughs> it's confusing like, it's hard to tell who's speaking julia has a more recognizable voice but when they get into a vibe, sometimes they sound like they're the same person. You're kind of like, what? The other thing about this that I enjoyed this episode was that this felt like a, you know, you you hear so many chat shows and you're like, what is the reason these two are even talking? Like, give me, what is like, what is the pair up mean? What's the context right. here? Like, what do they have in common? What can they relate on? What would be the overlap? Like, I just think that because people have podcasts and have guests on it's it's so undervalued the point of somebody even being on a podcast what's the point you know but whereas here it's like what don't they have in common they have so much in common that it's almost like i want to see them do more projects together they're both recently single moms they both have sons that are like really close in age and they both are raising mm. kids in new york city and like these are even one of those things alone is interesting to me. And they're both like famous. So that's like another thing that's interesting. So you it have. Girls, muses. Yeah. And like you could argue that Julia Fox is at a spot where like Emily Ratajkowski was like not so long ago. Right. Mm-hmm. 2015 maybe. And they've both gotten to their places in very different ways, which is their celebrity spots in different ways, which is interesting. The book thing is the other thing they have in common. Like Emily Ratajkowski released her book earlier this year. We don't have it in common. Julia Fox. She's just is, writing a book. Well, she's writing a book that 
is called, she wants to call it Masterpiece, which is really funny. She's like, it's my masterpiece. And so the book is just called Masterpiece. It's giving, I've been working on a book for a long time and refuse to let anyone help me. So I'm writing it myself and it's going to take forever. But I'm like, can't wait to read it, you know? They have so much in common. They get along. They have the same way of thinking and talking. They do. I mean, Julia is way more of a fascinating figure to me. I'm a little bit like, uh, I'm a little bit, it's too exposed to Emily Ratajkowski at this point. I feel like I'm, I have a little bit of fatigue with her in a way that I don't with Julia. Julia is like fresh. She's got all these insider things about being famous and staying famous. She talks about her personal paparazzi that she brings out to places. She Ugh. talks about how she'll take a photo and then go home. She doesn't have a nanny. So she's like, I'm not staying at the party. You know, I got to take my photo and go home. She talks about how she loves to work with young designers, which is why she's always wearing something kooky crazy to people. Like she, you know, I think there's a lot to her that still like has a lot to do with like the industry of being a celebrity. And there seems a little bit of a, I like it though, a desperation to keep things, keep the train moving, which I like. Emily, there's a mm -hmm. lot, she's a lot more grounded within the celebrity world. Like there's nothing to lose yeah. for her. I mean, I guess launching a podcast twice a week. Wow, twice a week. It, it's incredible what she's investing in, <laughs> is what I'm saying. She recorded a podcast with Julia Fox, then went on the Today Show, then got coverage for wearing contentious square toad boots in, in Vogue. Contentious. <laughs> like, Contentious. All in one day. Love it. She wore contentious square toe boots. I love but it. But the my favorite thing about Julia Fox, as she displays in this podcast, is that she is so seemingly obsessed with talking about like how the sausage gets made in celebrity. Like she does not seem like the type of person who's willing to like who wants to obscure how she got where she did or why she did something. Like she's telling you every little detail. Like this paparazzi detail is so amazing. She's like. I have a favorite paparazzi. I call him when I want photos. I don't pay him. He doesn't pay me. But it's good for him because he makes money off the photos. And it's good for me because I get amazing photos that are everywhere. Yeah. I found his name because he's the only one credited on any of her Getty paparazzi photos. What is it? Bobby Rashput. And she's like, I want him to shoot the cover of my memoir. Like that sort of paparazzi relationship is not the sort of thing that people who are even doing that, obviously, like the Kardashians, are ever willing to discuss, at least not commonly. And I think that's really cool. I think more and more people are willing to discuss this, but more in retrospect, yeah. doing it actively feels less of a thing than doing it, like looking back. Like you see a lot of mm -hmm. like... You see like Spencer Pratt. You see like other people being like, oh, you know, paparazzi do this. Papar we pay paparazzi or we or I paid this or I paid that like Paris or Kim or whatever. This is mm -hmm. like very much like I'm actively doing this now. I'm, this is something mm -hmm. that's currently happening. Yeah, she's constantly in dialogue with like the culture's understanding of her. <laughs> she doesn't think that invalidates her existence as a celebrity at all. It doesn't make mm -hmm. her any faker. She doesn't really, she knows that being seen as fake is not kind of the worst thing in the world in terms of celebrity because people are so used to like yeah. how fake it is. Thanks to the Kardashians, you know? Yeah. I cannot believe this podcast has been out for uh, a since day? November 1st. And oh. there's already, there's already four episodes. <laughs> like, Two times a week. Wow, twice a week. And hopefully she remembers to plug in her microphone for one of those times. Or it's going to be three times a week. Oh, well, she has producers. <laughs> Someone's watching. <laughs> Emily? Emily, don't forget to plug in your fucking microphone. Be silent. Let's get some, let's get some room noise. <laughs> What'd you have for breakfast today, Emily? Oh, I wish we had a producer. <laughs>
Bobby, your microphone isn't plugged in. Like, imagine if, like, a producer would have been like, Bobby, it looks like your microphone isn't plugged in. Oh, my God. And then we would have had the great segment on the Six Eggs lady named Marguerite Le Pen. I feel like you're elevating the Six Eggs lady conversation, the the one that was lost to time. I think you're making it even more mythical now by talking about it as if we're, like, we had it. We can't have it again, really. It existed once in another time. Um, And we can tell tell you exactly kind of how it went, but we can't really have the same conversation again. I've known you for a long time, and we've had a lot of ideas together, good and bad. Six Eggs Lady as a Disney Plus limited series is one of the best ideas we've ever had in our entire lives. (laughs) I wouldn't put that out. I feel like that's going to make people think we don't have that many good ideas. I think that's going to make people think that's an amazing idea. Okay, let's take it the next call. I was in Florida this past weekend, and guess what was the talk of the town? Your mom's aura frame? The aura frame. The aura frame kept, it was scrolling through every photo. I was like, oh, oh, there's that. Oh, there's that. Oh, there. I'm like, where'd they get that photo? There's always a photo where I'm like, where'd they get that photo? How'd they get that photo? I don't know where my mom gets the gifts that she sends me. Like when she <laughs> sends me a text gift, I'm like, where did you find that? And sometimes I look at her aura frame and I'm like, where did you download this? No, I'm like, where did you get this photo from? Whose Instagram did you steal this photo off of? You know? They love to steal from, and they love to just screenshot and not yeah. crops. It'll just oh. be like a cropped iPhone It'll just be photo a full that's on the aura frame. Exactly. With comments and everything. It'll just be on, <laughs> it'll be zoomed in sometimes. So it's extra blurry, but you know what? That's how easy it is to get the photos on the aura frame because my parents can figure out how to do it. Do they do yes. it well? No, but do they do it? Yes. And the other thing that's great about aura frames, when you give them to your mom, your mother, a mother in your life, a mother mm-hmm. figure, it's a great mother's day gift. Whoever the mother in your life is, you can connect it to your oh, yeah. aura app. And, and you, you can, can just photos. send them photos. You right. can, if they approve it, you can just put photos and kind of troll them and have fun and put random photos. I do it to Lindsay sometimes. Yeah, he does. Um, you can do it to your mom. My mom gave me access because she likes putting. You got to be careful. Photos you got to be a little careful with that, but you, you, should, you could do it, but you should do it. You be a little bit of careful. But <laughs> Aura frames it. are Wi-Fi connected and they come with unlimited storage because it's all in the cloud. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to mom's frame. Not only will she be grateful, it's not another sweater. She'll love that an Aura frame means she gets to see more of you. So right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code WHO at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Who Weekly is brought to you by Squarespace. As usual, we love Squarespace. We love Squarespace. It's the only way we will ever have a website. (laughs) Is Squarespace. You're right. Because it's easy. Because I can update it very fast when things go crazy with tour announcing, which we might have to do relatively soon. Might? Uh, Might? uh You said, we just came and saw you. I said, well, this is a this is a 365 podcast. We're planning ahead. Everyone's everyone's doing live shows these days. So all the venues are getting booked up. So we have to book our tour, which is far away pretty soon. But we already know we already know the dates. We're ready to update the website on Squarespace. And we also already know how to put them on the website, which is like half the battle because it's Squarespace. Exactly. And we've done this for a long time and it's very, very easy. We love Squarespace because it's very easy to update things. We love Squarespace because we have a contact form, which is the way most people get in touch with us, even though we have a very easy to remember email address, which is what's read up to at gmail.com. People would prefer to just use the contact form on Squarespace because Squarespace is easy. And on our website, it's easy to find our press clippings. It's easy to find embeds of the podcast. It's easy to find anything you need to know about our podcast. So go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, go to squarespace.com slash who to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. 
Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Timmy. Um, long time, long time. I was calling because I was on IMDb Pro, and I noticed that Kate Makuchi is number one on the star meter, which is pretty major for our girly. Um, I thought she was a nah, maybe she's a who, but is she a them now? Number one, that's pretty major. Um, love the show. Crunch, crunch. Bye. <laughs> Why is... Kate Micucci, number one on the IMDb star meter, which we have access to because we have IMDb Pro, humble brag. You can see that she's number one without the pro, right? Like you can see that you can see her ranking, but you can't see the stats that we have unless you have IMDb Pro, which we do have. Right. And what is the star meter? The star meter is literally clicks on profiles. It's really nothing else, but that is it. I didn't know that it was literally that until finally looking at IMDb Pro because when you click on, if you looked at the star meter chart on regular IMDb, it just says as determined by IMDb users. And it's like, well, what does that mean? But when you look at it on IMDb Pro, it says most page views. That's it. So it's just like, what are the names? What are the profiles people are clicking on most in any given week? And right now, the number one most viewed person on IMDb is Kate Micucci. <laughs> but I mean, we should look at the top 10 because the top 10 tells a story. The top 10 of Star Meter. You can kind of go backwards from 10 down to one and every single person except for Kate Micucci is kind of an obvious answer as to why they're on there. You know? Sophia Butella is number 10 because of the release of a show that she's in called Rogue Heroes which I've never heard of, but she's in it. And now she's number 10 because of it. She was the mummy in the mummy. She's the mummy in the money. Yeah. Or she's one of the love interests in the mummy. I think the mummy... No, that is her. She's the mummy mummy. We literally were like, Sophie Wattel is the mummy in the mummy. Is she going to blow up? And then like she didn't. But apparently she's number 10 on the star meter. So people are... People are talking. Do you remember the sound of the of the mummy when they pushed air through that mummy that they found and put it on SoundCloud and the mummy went, do you remember that? Yeah, the mummy went, do you remember that? They literally found the mummy and they were like, okay, if we push air through his vocal cords, we can see what his voice sounded like. And then it was like, <laughs> Scientists were able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer. It allowed them to produce a single sound. This is so strange. Listen to my version. Why does my version sound like this? Scientists were able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer. It allowed them to produce a single sound. DD Mega Doo I'm sorry, <laughs> Mangoodoo. Whoa, that's so crazy. That's, Wait, that's so crazy. That's so crazy that the mummy said DD Mega Doo <laughs> Sorry, Mangudu. I'm sorry, Mangudu. <laughs> okay, back to Sophia Butella, who is not the mummy who went, or DD Mega Doo Doo. Number nine is Liam Hemsworth, the reason being because he was just announced as the new Witcher since Henry Cavill dropped out. Number eight is Mia Goth, because everyone's obsessed with Pearl. Everyone's obsessed with X. They're so confused by Mia Goth. She's like one of the most baffling people I've ever seen in my entire life or heard. Did you see the clip of her that was like, if I wasn't famous, I would open up. I would open. Why does she sound like that? Wait, I have to hear it again. It's like one of the weirdest. It's like, well, if I wasn't famous, I would open a bakery that would only serve blueberry items. And it's like, what (laughs) art planet are you from? (laughs) Lindsay is not exaggerating. This is what it sounds like. Listen. Who wasn't an actor? I think I would own a bakery and I would call it Mamma Mia's 
and I would have blueberry pancakes. It would be a blueberry thing. Shia, did you submit the W9? I can't even do a voice and the accent at the same time. Shia, <laughs> we're out of toilet paper <laughs> for the loo. Would you mind picking some up at the CVS? It's like she's not meant to Crazy. say like, like imagine her saying like hard drive, you know, like she's not meant to say <laughs> words like that. She's meant to say like blueberries. <laughs> Alexa, add blueberries to the grocery list. And Alexa's like, bitch, what? <laughs> I'm quoting cold mango soup on Twitter. Mia Goth speaks like a rich, sickly Victorian child who lives in a haunted house. <laughs> <laughs> she does. It yes, blueberry pancakes. Okay, let's keep going on the list. We keep getting distracted because number seven is Guillermo del Toro. Let's skip number seven, Guillermo del Toro, for now because it relates back to Kate Micucci at number one. Let's go okay. right to five, right to six. Six is Millie Alcott, who's on House of Dragon. Clearly, people mm -hmm. are like, who's that? Number five is Millie Bobby Brown, who is in Enola Holmes too. Number mm -hmm. four is our favorite girly, Chloe Grace Moretz, who is starring in The Peripheral on Amazon. Number three, Henry Cavill, recently left The Witcher to be a Superman full time. Number two, number two makes so much sense. Um, number two is Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco, Emma Darcy. People are obviously like, who is this again? That's why Emma Darcy <laughs> is number two. And number House one. The craziest number one that I've seen in a long time is Kate Micucci. That is right. One <laughs> half of the comedy ukulele music duo Garfunkel and Oates. If you had a Tumblr, you know mm -hmm. who that is. If you didn't, don't worry about it. They're like painfully 2010. They're just painfully 2010. They had like twee songs about like hand jobs, you know. Hand job, land job. I don't understand job. Contain it. I'll use my icky sticky rhymes to help me explain it. Handy J's are like Stonehenge to me. Robert Stack can't even unsolve this mystery. I'm the messed up child of a baby boomer. I was in the gifted class, but a total late bloomer. Now I got a secret to get off my chest. Went from kissing the sex, but never learned the rest. And everyone was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. At the time, it was pretty funny. And to her credit, she's moved on. To her credit, she also has a very silly voice and is now uh, doing a lot of, you know, voice acting for cartoons. Exactly. And one of those cartoons is Scooby-Doo. She's fucking Velma. Velma is trending. So one of the reasons she's trending is because she's Velma, newly queer Velma. And the other reason she's trending is because she's in an episode of Guillermo del Toro's hit Netflix anthology series, The Cabinet of Curiosities. Curiosity. Cabinet of Curiosities. Cabinet of Curiosities. Curiosity Cabinet. Cabinet of Curiosities. Mm -hmm. and, the and that's why he's number seven and she's number one. I think the mix of this being him and his name being a little very powerful and it being on Netflix means a lot of people are watching it and they're like, oh, who mm -hmm. is she? She must have some sort of splashy role. Her episode must be good. Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched it, but her episode must be the sort of thing where you're like, oh, I got to see more from this girly. It looks scary. Her episode is called The Outside. It's giving, though, like... um. Um, black mirror Guillermo de Toro style, style which I like, mm -hmm. kind of like an anthology, and I think he's he's good at that. Whatever this website is, top10.netflix.com. So it's their internal thing. 
Cabinet of Curiosities has been watched for 38.8 million hours this week. Once oh, again, that God. means nothing to me. <laughs> I don't know what to do with, that, with information. that number. I will say, though, it's cool that she's at the top because it means that of all the people in that, people are most curious. Like, oh, who is that? They're good. Like, they're so random. Who is that? Mm-hmm. It means a lot. Yeah. Because otherwise, her IMDb is not, it, there's really nothing else going on there that's as kind of buzzy. Yeah. IMDb also doesn't just rank the people, it ranks the titles. So it's like the movies and the TV shows that are on there. And Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities is the number one most viewed crazy. Like, title profile on IMDb. Number that's two is The White Lotus. Number three is House of the Dragon. It is interesting how, not to be like an industry podcast here, but how much, how talked about The White Lotus is and how not talked about this Guillermo del Toro show is, but how watched this show is versus mm-hmm. White Lotus. I bet more people are watching Guillermo del Toro than White Lotus. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's on Netflix. HBO just has fewer viewers than Netflix. I've read It's Not TV, The Spectacular Rise, Revolution, and Future of HBO by John Coblin and Felix Gillette. There you go. <laughs> you know, you read yeah, it too. I read it too. The other titles on this list are Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities at number one, number two, The White Lotus, number three, House of the Dragon, number four, Barbarian, which you are seeing a lot of people talk about. Yeah. It, well, it's proof. It's really all proof to me that Netflix is still very much more powerful than kind of these other places. Because even though... It, critically buzzy or some things Netflix is just kind of monoculture it's like just every people just watch everything that's pushed to them on Netflix it's true that's all so that's Kate Micucci that's Mm -hmm. why she's trending Guillermo del Toro and Queer Velma next call hi Lindsay Robbie so long time long time I I need to know who Tyrell Hampton is he, like, every single time I get a freaking TikTok of Bella Hadid or Addison Ray or Devin Lee Carlson, like, he's in it. And I actually know nothing about him. And the only thing I can find is that he's a photographer. But there must be more to the story. I tr- I need to know why he's still such a who when he hangs out exclusively with them. And like, how did he meet all these people? Crunch, crunch. Tyrell Hampton. So here's the thing. We have to make a, a quiet little update. We haven't talked about a vamp in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. So vamp. It's a subcategory of who, lower level who, because they are always like adjacent to them or people than they are. And they are T-H-A-M-P-S. I feel like we've talked about vamp since, but for some reason we had like a run of like kind of a lot of them, but now it's been a little bit lesser. I do think that Mm -hmm. this guy fits into vamps, but as maybe an extra P. The P stands for now publicist. Okay, let's go through. It's vamps or thamps. Trainers, hairstylists. Agents, makeup artists, and then publicists slash photographers we're adding and stylists. Thamps. Stylist, yes. Thamps. So thamps. Thamps. Well, I think the P can be too. And also we can throw a D in there for drug dealer, but the, the D is the silent D is because silent. no one actually mentions who the drug dealer is. The D is silent, but sometimes it's a drug dealer, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are always, we always get calls from people like, you know this person that's always in so-and-so's photos, that's their drug dealer. And it's like, okay, we're not going to play that, but like we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the D is silent in thamps. 
the D, the D, is, is, silent. The D is silent because they're silently, you know, providing the party. No judgment. This is a type of person that you actually don't see much of, but Tyrell Hampton, who is like a 24-year-old guy from Philadelphia, and he wanted to be a dancer, and then he was like, actually, I want to be a photographer. And then during the pandemic, his photography career sort of blew up because he became not just prolific and like well-known for his work, like he did a gallery show too, but like I think he must just be really cool because celebrities like him. And I think a lot of celebrities, including Dua Lipa and like Hailey Bieber and like Selena Gomez, they consider him a friend. And also, like I said, he's just really funny on TikTok. So he's a personality and a celebrity in his own right, but he's also quite talented. So it's like, usually you think of the people who pal around celebrities and who are not actually celebrities as in their being own kind right of hang as just on. friends. Yeah. But this guy is like a talent, like this guy is his own kind of artist. And I think he has a lot more respect from these people. I also think that photographers with kind of a built-in personality that that create a, a name for themselves that's like not only are their photos distinctive, but they're distinctive, like that's important. Mm-hmm. And I think what this guy is doing is he's really giving Gen Z. Like he's giving like I'm fun. He's giving like the mm-hmm. wedding photographer that like that photographer. like does a split, you know? Like it's giving that yes, extra element yes. where he's actually being uh-huh. invited out as a pal to these people, but then also taking their photo and they know that he's a good photographer. And like those photos are valuable to them on top of him being a cool guy that they want to hang out with. He's getting profiles for taking photos that feel spontaneous, which I think is the number Mm -hmm. one thing that celebrities are not giving us, uh, you know, of recent. Exactly. He is a professional photographer in every sense of the word. He's doing it all. But when you scroll through his Instagram grid, you will within the first like above the fold, you will see two photos that even if you're not familiar with like fashion photography or like editorial photography or whatever this party photography is, there are two photos that have received so much attention over the past like two months that you will recognize instantly. One of them is the photo of Haley Bieber and Selena Gomez palling up at a party. He took that, the one that made everyone be like, oh my God, they're friends. Oh my God, there's no animosity between Selena and Haley. The other one is a GQ cover of Lee Pace where he's wearing like a mesh see-through top that like everyone was lusting over. So like two of the most iconic photos of the past, you know, month or whatever. Two months. Kind of. But yeah, I just think that like there's a comfort and a coolness that unfortunately you need. Even if even if he's even if there are better photographers than him, it doesn't even matter because it's more about like crafting the vibe, creating the vibe. He also is huge on TikTok. He's like very funny on TikTok. Oh, he has 450,000 followers. That's a lot. I didn't mention I need six eggs, lady. <laughs> when we release our Disney Plus show, Six Eggs, about Marguerite Le Pen, of, why who is a six eggs lady. I think I named her. I had a different name for her. Toulouse, I think I called her. It was Marguerite Toulouse. She is the lady in the town that needs six eggs. And I was asked, and how we thought of it was I was asking Bobby, like, why do you think she needs six eggs? And we each had different reasons. And I said it was because she is baking a cake for her only daughter. And Bobby said, well, she has lots of kids. Yeah, she has lots of kids, but only one daughter. And she's baking a cake for her daughter's birthday and needed six eggs. And then it kind of circled around to that. Those kids are all like the children of Gaston that he has denied uh, parental rights to, Mm -hmm. paternity of, you know? And he's like, prove it. Like, prove that I'm the father. And she's like, well, I can't. And now she's a single mother. And her oldest daughter is like... You know, she's a teenager, so yes. she doesn't require yes. a lot of attention. Yes. And it's her birthday. And meanwhile, she's like, oh, my God, I have to make yes. this cake. And she's like, I need six eggs. But I have eggs. these three screaming I kids. I need six eggs. And my chickens, my chickens that I normally let lay the eggs got attacked by foxes. So I don't have my chickens anymore. So I have to go into town and get these eggs. Meanwhile, 
Belle thinks it's all about her, and the whole town's obsessed with Belle, and this six eggs lady is like, why doesn't anyone pay attention to me? Like, the psychology of six eggs lady is, like, captivating. It, it, is a, it is a compelling backstory. I just think that not enough people ask, except for Bobby, that why she needs six eggs. LeFou comes out as bisexual. LeFou thinks he's so obsessed with Gaston. And then he finds out, you know what? Oh I'm God. bisexual. And this six eggs lady, Marguerite Toulouse, is something else. She's a sight to behold. Once again, it was still better the first time. It's a 10-episode limited series. Well, that's what they say until it's crazily popular. And they say, Bobby Lindsay, we need you to make a second a second season of Six Eggs or Seize Off. Seize Off. And we say, oh, it's really against our vision. We only really wanted to do one series. She already solved, she already solved the crime. And then they said, no, sorry, we're HBO. We're here to say make a second season. And we're like, fine, 12 eggs. Okay, last call. Hey, BLT, a long time, long time. I wanted to call in and ask about Chris Olsen. Um, I've seen him on TikTok for a while. I remember he, like, blew up during the pandemic um, when he was quarantining with his boyfriend, who was also big on TikTok, and then they broke up, and I remember seeing, like, all these videos about it, and um, now he's, like, always with Megan Trainer, and her videos are always popping up on my free page, and he's in them. And some people say, like, he works for her. And some people are like, no, they're just best friends or they've been friends forever. But then people are like, no, that was a joke. I just don't really get it. Um, But then I was looking at his videos and all these people are commenting saying, like, you run the account for Pleasing, which is Harry Styles' nail polish brand. Um, So maybe he's just like a social media strategy guy, but he also does his own TikToks. I don't know. It just seems like he's everywhere all of a sudden, or maybe just for me. But um, I just feel like I know all these kind of details, not sure if it really matters, and would love your input. Thank you, Crunch Crunch, Lindsay Podcasters. Chris Olsen is someone we talked about. Speaking of Ethel Kane, I mean, in the same way that we talked about Ethel Kane and then, like, didn't play it. It's giving cutting room floor. (laughs) Because I was like, I know we talked about this guy. I know we did. And I found it in a doc from January 2022 when he and his boyfriend, Ian Paget broke up. And I was like, why is E obsessed with this couple? TikTok's Chris Olsen and Ian Paget break up after two years. They had been dating a year before the pandemic, then they move in together during the pandemic and then break up after two years and everyone was freaking out. It's, <laughs> it's giving platforms because here's why. Chris Olsen and his ex-boyfriend were big on YouTube, right? YouTube's like new content algorithm is not as iconic as TikTok's. Therefore, when I go on YouTube, I wasn't served any of this. I wasn't served their video that was like, we're breaking up or like, we broke up or whatever. Even though it was huge in that realm, it was number 25 on trending when somebody took the screenshot. Like it was a big deal and people really talked about him. I wasn't part of that. So like I didn't even, when we first talked about this, I think we were both like snooze fest. Who is this? You know, just, oh, like a YouTuber. Now, because TikTok's algorithm is like the devil, I'm being served this guy left and right because now he's like attached himself to celebrities, actual celebrities, actual celebrities, like his childhood best friend, Megan Trainer, with whom he hangs out constantly and they post a lot of content together. And what I'm realizing is it's like all connected because 
guess what? This guy who's really good at social media, making TikToks, making YouTubes, has maybe helped his BFF Megan Trainer get her song to be number one on TikTok, which it is. And it's also obviously affecting the kind of billboard charts as well. That fucking earworm of a song, mm-hmm. which is I could have my Gucci on Louis Vuitton. That one. I could have my Gucci on. I could wear my Louis Vuitton. Okay, so like, here's the thing: as the caller mentioned, is that people quote unquote suspect that Chris Olson is doing the TikTok for a brand that Bobby had never heard of, Pleasing, which is Harry Styles' uh mm-hmm. nail polish brand nail polish brand yeah that's what people suspect they think that he is running that that tiktok account but i just feel like people are like oh is he megan trainer's assistant what is his purpose it's like i really think that they're friends and he like helps with social media and she has the same manager or whatever Mm -hmm. as or the same talent people as harry styles and that's how he got involved with that and i just think that he's doing an amazing job as being a social media like strategist for these people. He was just on the Drew Barrymore show with Megan Trainer, and then one of the segments was them like having him do a sort of blind dating thing. It was like he was interviewing potential boyfriends on the other side of a wall and Drew was like, "We're going to find you a boyfriend." And it's like, "Why?" Well, I think <laughs> well, I think it's like he has a niche but loving audience that is very appealing to somebody like Drew Barrymore because that's her whole thing. You know, Mm -hmm. like he really is popular on like certain parts of this Internet. Isn't Megan Trainor from like Nantucket? Wasn't she literally like born on Nantucket? Rare breed. (laughs) So was this guy from Nantucket? Very, again, a rare breed. Oh, yeah. Because when she posted the the childhood photo of her and Chris Olsen on TikTok, the caption is Nantucket babies. It's weird. Like, I'm not from Massachusetts, but like it's weird to be from Nantucket, right? (laughs) Isn't Nantucket like a weird place to be from? I think anywhere that's determined to be a vacation place, other people feel who aren't from a vacation place will always feel that it's weird to be from there. I think you're applying this to Nantucket when you could also apply Uh it to like being from, I don't know, Bermuda. Oh, I grew up in Aspen. It's like you grew up in Aspen. How? You know, are there real people who live anywhere Mm -hmm. that people visit and has a lot of like uh, tourism? Mm -hmm. I think people think is, quote unquote, weird to be from sometimes. How'd you grow up there? Mm -hmm. Is that Mm -hmm. make sense? But also Nantucket, it's like an island. Everything is expensive there. It is weird to be like, you live there year round? Okay. It's like Megan Trainers from the island where Moby Dick begins. <laughs> you know, like, that's like weird. It's kind of fascinating to be from an island if you're not from an island also. You're like, whoa, how do you get there? And it's like, take a boat. And it's like, whoa. The people, the list of people from Nantucket, like, it's kind of, you know, it's it's not the longest list in the world. Megan Trainor. Henry Starbuck. I don't even know who that is. He's from the Starbuck Whaling Fat. Yeah, there's no one else on this list that's like, you know, a pop star. It's literally Megan Trainor, Chris Olsen, and Ishmael. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, isn't it? The people who created Folgers are from Nantucket. Like, that's not helpful. Is there anyone oh. like Megan Trainor from Nantucket? That's kind of no. it. Megan Trainor and her brother Ryan. It's Ellen Hildebrand. Megan Trainer, Chris Olson. That's it. So yes, the answer is it is weird to be from Nantucket because I guess this list actually just like proves that it is weird. There's one more person that we sh- that's actually notable. Okay. So it's the Folgers Folgers, like their last name is Folgers, both of them. Okay. And then Roland Hussey 
Macy, Who's that? the founder of Macy's. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's weird to be from Nantucket. Mr. Macy is from Nantucket. You're proving my point. You're proving my point wrong, which is when I was like, it's weird to be from a tourist town because there are plenty of people from Hawaii and that's totally normal. Being from Nantucket's weird. I agree. It's weird. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's weird. I agree. Okay, I good. Agree. Bye. Okay, bye, bye, Gucci. Bye. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who's There, a weekly call show. Keep calling in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. Thank you to Katie and Eric of the Who's for providing our read a theme song on Tuesdays. Thank you to Timmy, our research and editorial assistant, for researching and editorializing and going to Nikki Reed's photography exhibit. Rate and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We love your ratings and reviewing. Support us on patreon.com slash weekly or subscribe in the Apple Podcast app for VIP episodes on Sundays. And if you're on the Patreon, you also get a Discord server, commentary tracks, occasional newsletter, and more. And now I'm done. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Have a great weekend. Sorry, Lindsay. We had to do this twice. <laughs> Watch Six Eggs on Disney Plus in three years. Bye. Blueberry pancakes. Carla Gugino. Hey, BLT. So this really brought up some terrible memories from middle school. Uh, specifically, I had not great hair. My hair was a mess. I didn't know what to do with it. Thank you, Reddit, now for helping me figure it out. And I was impressionable and saw the Suki Waterhouse washes her hair with Coca-Cola thing. And I was like, well, it can't get any worse than it is right now. Honestly, it didn't make a huge difference in my hair, but I did not continue doing it because it made my bathroom smell so weird. So thanks for bringing up that piece of middle school trauma. Bye. Uh, crunch, crunch. Tim Tebow, lesbian. Hi. I literally had to pause the podcast when you were talking about Haley Lou Richardson and and Zoe Deutsch because you said the other one of them, they're different people. You said that, that Zoe Deutsch isn't set it up. I thought Haley Rich. I thought this was the same person. I, I genuinely, this has never happened to me before. I, everyone always calls in your show about face blindness. This has never happened to me before. I genuinely had to look them. I'm looking at them side by side. Lindsay, you're crazy. They look identical. I genuinely thought these were the same people. I thought it was, I thought Haley Richardson was this person and that they were all Oh my god. What the fuck? This is a different person. This is unreal. I this has never happened to me. Anyway, they this is you guys have just helped me out, I guess. I don't know. Now I know that they're different people, but now I'm going to watch a movie and I'm not going to know which one it is because they look so similar. Oh my god. Anyway, Tim Tebow, lesbian. Hi, Who Weekly. So this morning before work, I was trying to explain the downfall of Twitter to my extremely offline boyfriend. And I kept referencing, like, Twitter founder Jack O'Brien. Like, I just kept saying that. And then, like, after he left, and I'm, like, scrolling through my, like, normal newsletters that I get or whatever, I see more news about Twitter and it's like Twitter founder Jack Dorsey. And I'm like, how the fuck did did I get the like daily zeitgeist podcast co-host 
Jack O'Brien. How did I get that as the bleed of Twitter? Even funnier in my brain when I was picturing Jack O'Brien, I was actually picturing Dylan O'Brien, the the Teen Wolf guy. So you see, I, I'm just I don't know how I got here, but when my boyfriend gets home from work, I'm gonna I'm gonna show him a picture of Dylan O'Brien, and I'm gonna be like, see, it's the Twitter founder, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna mess him up even more. So just have to call in and report. Have a good day at work, Olivia Wilde. I apologize in advance for this because this is both gross and interesting. But I went on a date with a hooligan, two males, and while we were hooking up, we did start singing the Rita Ora theme song together while his penis was touching my body. I shouldn't say that. But bringing people together. So thank you, and don't play this call. Or do play this call. I actually don't think you will because it's, like, repulsive, but it was kind of fun. We had a joyous night, and I will be seeing him again.